Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I'm rambling again. <laughs> Something to do with the wine, I'm sure. And joining me is Mr. Dave AC. Hello, Dave. Hiya. Never mind my voice. It's all this green paint I've got on. That's making me feel even worse. <laughs> brain bleach. <laughs> Somebody give me the brain bleach. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> all right. Now that we're scared of everybody else, let's see who's left. Joining us. Oh, no, dear. I think he's going to need to drink more. It's Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello. How are Hello. you? <laughs> Dave AC in green body paint. <laughs> <laughs> Things that make you go. I don't want to live anymore. <laughs> All right. Let's <laughs> see Jeff, the seventh doctor. Hopefully he'll bring some sanity to the show. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Hello, Ian. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Glad you could make it. Thank you, sir. And lastly, but not leastly, on audio, it's Gobo. Hey, Ian. Hey, Dave. How are y'all? Not too bad. I think. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Hopefully it'll be a good show. Right, um, somewhere around here, I've got a, I've got a cone of silence, but I don't know where it is. Oh, here it is. It's right over here. I, it's the small one, you see, um, because we don't have many people under the cone. So here it is, the cone of silence. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? 
length of time. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joining us under the cone. Carte Blanche is here. Mr. Randall is here. The mysterious Guest 8 is here. And Cybob is the glue holding it all together until it goes back to the future. There you go. All right. Only one more person to introduce, and that's the Typing Mikey. It's news time. We have to pay somebody for this line now? Go, Typing Mikey. Go, Typing go, Mikey. Go. go. <laughs> I'm like waiting for a bus. <laughs> Alrighty, there's, uh, there's a ton of news. I guess just let a lot of people just kind of pile on in because you know, Comic Con's going on right now, and there's just a bunch of stuff coming over the uh, over the internet. Um, one of which, of course, being a, a lot of buzz over um, X Men uh, Days of Future Past. Um, while I have not seen any. Any of the footage, I don't know if any of it's actually come out, been released or leaked or anything. Footage was shown at at, at Comic Con, and uh, apparently, um, it's good. Um, a lot of the reporters have been um, quite squeeful ab about everything, and there's descriptions floating around. I'm not going to go into the descriptions because they're much better written um, than, than than I'll be able to read. Um, and if you want to go find out what's in that footage. Uh, go ahead, but basically the stage was filled with uh, with X Men uh, of uh, various ages. You could say um, we had a couple of Xaviers, we had a couple of Magnetos, and so yeah, and so on and so forth. So uh, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to, um, especially with uh, um, First Class being such a, a good movie. Uh, I'm quite quite happy that we're getting this kind of uh, crossover between the, the the old and new and, and what it means to the whole storyline that we've known from the first set of movies and, and, and what's come out. Yeah, Dave, you got anything? Well, lots of things. Um, first of all, let's mention one that uh, Mike put up uh, that um, Mark Gatiss is to join the cast of Game of Thrones. Um, not a lot of information I've got here and maybe people don't want to spoil but um, this will be season four that he will be joining. So um, that's something that Mark, um, Mike had put up on the site. Uh, there's also um, information uh, up there about um, the latest uh, Man of Steel, Man of Steel 2. And uh, this was something that I think Ken posted up there. And um, uh, apparently the, um, they revealed a logo for it. And... Um, I don't know if anybody here in the room doesn't want to know this information, but the two uh, combined logos on the screen <clears throat> was the logo for Superman and the logo for Batman. So it looks as though they will be together in the next film and that next film will be The Man of Steel 2. So presumably, you know, it's not going to be called Superman and Batman, it's going to be called Man of Steel 2, with some sort of strap line that, that follows on from it. don't know if there's anybody in the room that knows more on that. Just pause the, a moment. The announcement in the, in the picture, like you have, it just, this whole thing just smells of desperation coming out of the DC live-action camp. Nobody can lay a finger on Marvel at the moment. I mean, I love DC and all their animated adventures, and it's like, I think they do a great job. 
right. in live action. There's just nothing. I would have imagined they'd have had another Man of Steel just on his own to start with, because the 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 the, the first one was the, again an origin story, wasn't it? So really, they haven't had chance for the character to be completely reestablished um, with the new actor in the role. There's something else that Ken put there, a rather shaky video. So uh, be careful. But this is uh, not sure how you pronounce his name. Tom Hiddleston, is it? Um, yes. Uh, appearing in costume. Um, I, don't, I don't know. The Green Lantern live action was pretty darn good, if you ask me. Well, I haven't seen it because I was basically warned away from it by many, many, many people. They said, don't bother. So I haven't, right. <laughs> to be honest. But anyway, and, Tom and, and came... one of those people being, uh, being Logan, and so... <laughs> Not that he's the... the but as a person who really likes the Green Lantern, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of, you know, when, when, on a day where I'm very, very bored, I might watch it, but, uh, you know, who knows. Right. Um, as I say, Tom came actually uh, dressed in as Loki, is it, uh, at Comic-Con 2013. And could this be Ken coming on audio for us? Hopefully. Let's see, yeah. unmute him. Uh, he was having issues with his phone earlier. Ken, is that you? Hi, Cuddly Ken. Hello, Cuddly Ken. I, Come in, Cuddly Ken. Hello there. Yes, it is. Hi, Ken. I still oh. am. I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on bad cell phone, so it may cut out any time. I'm bypassing uh, regular communications to try and get to you. Uhura has put me through. <laughs> Coming on an emergency Starfleet channel, sir. <laughs> yeah, it is. At least to say hi and everything. Hi there. Hey. We're in Comic Con news, so uh, um, Dave's just covered uh, Tom. Well, he's just getting into Tom Hiddleston showing up at uh, at Comic Con. Well, if if he is guest stage, he will have heard all that. Yeah, true. Yes, I did. I've been I've been listening all along. Awesome. Do you want to add anything to those two items of news, or any further news? Karen Gill. Uh-oh. Doesn't look any better bald. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> I think he may have cut out. Uh, but former Doctor Who star Karen Gillan has unvi- unveiled her shaved head for her yes. role in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, playing uh, Nebula, if uh, memory serves. She's a villainess in it. The... the I, I might not have uh, caught the bit. Did you handle the the Warner Brothers big news? Um, Man, Man of Steel. Steel. Man of Steel too. Which I yeah. we were just we just got done with that. I just don't understand how. I mean, I can understand doing a Batman and Superman movie. That 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 you know that's yeah. entirely plausible. But for it to be Man of Steel two, and then Batman is like okay. Well, what about Batman? Yeah, I'm, I mean. <laughs> in fist pumping and madness, obviously, at the convention. And I think it's a fascinating idea once you establish the Superman franchise more, once you... Are you breaking up? Oh, once you uh, categorize who's going to carry on Batman further, mm-hmm. it, it, se- it seems to diminish... Uh, Henry Cavell's uh, Superman by having him share the spotlight in the new film. 
I mean, point of yeah, they should be doing two films, shouldn't they? They should be giving him a second Man of Steel one and then a further film with the two together. I mean, it's like Iron Man, at least he... I mean, we ha- how many Iron Man films have we had? Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly had two before he joined in with the uh, the Justice League one. <laughs> I think he broke up. Well, there's, there's number one, Dave. There's number one. <laughs> Oh, well, right. Avengers. Avengers. There you assembled. go. There you go. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> and Steve stop. is just joining us. Hi, Steve. Uh, welcome to the show. We're just doing news at the moment. I, I, I think... Um, I think Ken... Oh, no, back. <laughs> okay, we'll just give Ken one more opportunity to speak, and then uh, then we'll move on to some other news, I think. I do apologize for technological snafus. Well, I mean, I'll jump in there and just say I don't have a problem with this at all. I think it's been way too long uh, in the coming. Um, if you, you know, sort of convert the length of time, it's okay. The length of time it took for the comics to give you a Superman Batman team up was. Let me do the math. Twelve years, thirty-nine, four. Yeah, about twelve, thirteen years, I guess, somewhere in there. Um, and it certainly has been longer than that since the first Superman movie and the first Batman movie. And I don't really care that we're talking about a different person in the role. We certainly didn't care it was a different person in the role of Batman um, for three of the four of the nineteen eighties Batman films. You know, it, who cares? And I don't think that we're going to be reinventing the wheel on the character of Batman, even if it's not played um, as it has been played in the Christopher Nolan series. It's still going to be essentially the same character. Um, And, you know, I don't really think it matters too much uh, that you somehow give uh, Henry Cavill more lead time to be just Superman alone, because the, the essential thing about the DC Universe is the dichotomy between Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, right? I mean, the DC Universe is founded on the Holy Trinity. And you get definition for Superman by comparing him to Batman, and you get definition on Batman by comparing him to Superman, and you get definition on the two guys by comparing him to the girl. Um, so I think that this is a an incredibly important step in the... Warren Brothers film canon to finally be getting us towards the setting up the relationship between Superman and Batman so that we can, by 2017 or whatever, have a Justice League movie where there's a pre-existing relationship between Superman and Batman, and that lays the foundation for some drama that's going to be there. Instead of the Marvel route, which is, let's have an Avengers movie, and it was a fine movie, don't get me wrong, but let's have a movie in which these superheroes are meeting for the first time. Because that's not very natural, really. I mean, that never happened in the comic books, as far as I'm aware. I'm not as much of an expert on Marvel as I am DC. But certainly in the DC universe, it was never that the first time that various heroes met up was when they were brought together on a super team. Um, You always had these sort of baby steps. Superman knew Batman since 1952, right? Um, Wonder Woman knew Superman since uh, 
somewhere in the 50s. I don't know exactly when, but no, actually in the 40s. In the 40s, they met up. Um, so, I mean, you had pre, you certainly had a, a pre-existing relationship between uh, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Flash that was outside of the Justice Society um, in all Flash comics. So, I mean, I have no problem with there being a Superman-Batman movie. It has taken too long to happen. It will do great things for Superman, and I think it will... Not that Batman needs any particular help as far as you know films, because that's clearly the uh, the tent peg that Warner Brothers has with the DC universe. Um, but still, I think it will add some useful definition to Batman and make him a little bit, you know, funny. To be honest with you, because one of the great things about Batman in a team up situation, and certainly when, with respect to Justice League, is that often he's the straight guy who's providing some comedy. Uh, and I think it'd be nice to have that after such a grim version of Batman that we've gotten in with Christopher Nolan. So, I, I, unlike you, Ian, I, I welcome this news, and I think it's the smartest thing they could have done, really. Oh, I think it'd be a fantastic film, but I would like to see another solo Superman film that, alongside or after. I like the idea of it, but but presumably if it takes 14 months sometimes to get these films yeah. You know, brought together and done. Perhaps there isn't just time. They're, they're working backwards from what you're saying, Darth. Then they they need to get to a situation whereby which you know that, that pre-existing connection is made. Yeah, it matters on the hook they're going to use too. What what the the quote they were using? He was reading from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight that I'm the only one who brought you down, Clark. So it might be a big drag-out fight, uh, establishing Superman's early days and learning right. humility, I guess, from uh, Bruce Wayne. And if they so, keep Amy Adams around, you know, there certainly is the potential to do that one thread that was in some versions of Superman, where uh, you know you had the Bruce Wayne going after Lois Lane, and you had some tension on the secret identity side, which is going to be interesting uh, too. So. Yeah. The the other very big news is after Tom Hilston did his wonderful little bit as, as Loki, introducing scenes from uh, Thor: The Dark World, um, Joss Whedon um, had his Avengers panel, and the big surprise is announcing that uh, the clips what the uh, concept is for the Avengers film. It's going to be called Avengers The Age of Ultron. So evidently, um, Thanos appeared at the end of the first Avengers as the teasing, overarching villain of the piece. Um, He's going to be still behind the scenes and from all hints is going to be worked up into the very big bad going into Avengers 3. So uh, the character Thanos, uh, very big in the Marvel mythology, might be establishing some presence in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But Ultron, who was the robotic child, so to speak, of of, uh, Henry Pym, who was Ant-Man slash Giant Man, uh, who turns on him, is going to be the main villain of the Avengers film. And that was uh, very big news for all the crowds, et cetera, there on that. 
So that was a, a big game change, and it means the importance of the upcoming uh, Ant-Man film is really going to be assured now with that. Thank you for that. Um, also, uh, um, uh, additional members. Uh, wasn't Scarlet Witch mentioned? I have heard uh, about Scarlet Witch. I didn't know if it was mentioned, but that has been banned here about uh, them making Breaking up. Sorry. Not again. Did I break up? I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if it was mentioned at Comic-Con, but there has been strong talk about Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver right. being a part of the whole mix. I've been reading yeah, all sorts of different reports. Oh, I must say that I love the footage from um, from uh, the new Thor movie. Yeah, it looks great. Excellent. It, yeah. it looks great. I mean, whether it plays yeah. out to be a good movie or not, but I'm yeah. excited by the footage. I called my wife and I said, quick, come look. <laughs> and I do apologize if my phone does conk out. I'm not going to keep zapping. Um, I, I do have a rudimentary list of crew. Uh, well, d- would, it, would it be possible for you to sort of drop off the phone and, and call back in? I mean, if you're still in the... Yeah, I'll, I'll do it later chat. if I can, or, or, or yeah. I will... Type it well, in we, on the collective site. No, we'd rather you come on audio, but uh, we we, we oh, did okay. say that we'd let Cobo go first. Oh, yeah, a little bit more yeah I heard that, but, yes. But what I'm trying to say, if you can conserve your battery and then come back on audio. Gotcha. I'll, I'll, do that la- I'll do that later. I will be signing off now and come back later. Cheers. Bye. Now, there is one piece of sad news, Ian. Is there anything more on this good side before we mention that. Um, I just want to say that um, uh, the website Geek uh, Tyrant is a fairly decent place to go for some... Uh, they've got, it looks like they've got some video of the, 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 the Marvel panel um, with Tom Huddleston there. So if you're a big fan of him, then, then that's the one to go to. They seem to have a much clearer shot than the, the, the video that um, that's on the Colton uh, Facebook page. Um, and oh, they've also dizzy, got yeah. that some some uh some about nine shots from uh the agents of uh shield panel um and of course uh, the comic con uh, the the uh, video from the panel too so um it's gonna be, I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to to uh to seeing the series because it'll be awesome <laughs> sorry i'm just i i, I <laughs> yeah um I think that's all I got, really. Um. Well, before we go to perhaps the the, the better-known uh, sad news that we've had, uh, I just looked on the DoctorWhoNews.net site, and another actor who's appeared in Doctor Who has passed away, David Spencer, um, aged 79, uh, appeared in six episodes of Doctor Who, playing the young Tibetan monk, Thonin, is that? who helped the second Doctor fight the great intelligence in the 1967 story, The Abominable Snowman. Um, uh, Spencer moved into television in 1950 and appeared in many well-known productions, including uh, Billy Bond at Greyfriars School, um, uh, a St. Mark in the 1960 production of uh, Paul of Tarsus, which starred Patrick Troughton, 
as St. Paul. He played the Prince of Morocco in The Merchants of Venice with Maggie Smith and Frank Finlay. And other roles included parts in Dixon of Doc Green, Play for Today and Z Cars. So um, he died age 79 uh, in Spain yesterday. Um, not that it's any less sad or any more sad than the other news that we had, but perhaps more well-known to our listeners, um, those especially who, who enjoy UK comedy, is the fact that Mel Smith, uh, one half of uh, Alas Smith & Jones, has died uh, of a heart attack. Um, I think it was yesterday he died. So uh, that, his partner, of course, is uh, Griff, Griff Reese jones with whom he set up the independent company Talkback Productions. So um, uh, apparently he hadn't been in great health. He had had some other issues with his uh, own health that had caused him to sort of uh, actually appear quite ill. I think he was a, did a guest appearance on um, uh, the, uh, what was it, the Mastermind, I think it was, Celebrity Mastermind. And he was definitely um, not at his best. But there's been lots of tributes that have come in to him. I don't know how well he is known to people like Jeff in the room, but I know Ian uh, and probably Darth uh, are, are more aware of him from uh, some of the comedy productions that he did. Yep. Um, yeah, especially one of the major players and not the 9 o'clock news. Yep. So. Yeah, that was yeah. with Rowan Atkinson, Pamela Stevenson and so on, yeah. And he became a director. He, he, he moved on to directing uh, quite a bit uh, later on. Yeah. I'm moving behind the scenes. He produced stuff like um, Guarantee Crown, QI, the Talkback production. I mean... Yeah. And Talkback Productions themselves did... Uh, the Ali G, the Ali G show, Alan Partridge. Never mind the good Buzzcocks. Ready. Now, uh, unless you've got any news, I've got one more thing that's not really news, but it's it's comes under the umbrella of it, I suppose. Okay, I don't have anything else that I can think of. I've been trying to <laughs> remember everything oh. that I wanted to bring up for. Well, well, this is a, 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 by way of a little bit of a right. This is a bit of a little promotion, and then it will perhaps lead to me to playing a promo afterwards. But um, uh, the Big Finish um, are doing bringing out another Blake Seven story called Fractures, uh, and they've gone back to having the original cast. So it's an original cast production with uh, Paul Darrow and so on. And I've got um, a little bit of a trailer of that. I might not play it all because it's. Um, it's just over one and a half minutes, but this is a, a trailer. If you don't want to hear it, it's just over one and a half minutes. Blake Seven Fractures. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Blake Seven, the classic audio adventures. I'm taking Liberator in on manual. We'll be in teleport range in two minutes. What the hell was that? Information. Liberator has been attacked. You don't say. Put up the force wall. Confirmed. Message to all ground commanders. Initiate the final phase. Let's crush these rebels once and for all. 
lake. We can't take much more of this. We've got to make a run for it. All of a sudden, the planet swarming with Federation troopers seems like a preferred option. This is foolish, reckless. You're teleporting into the biggest concentration of Federation military we've ever come across. Foolish, reckless. This plan's got you written all over it, Blake. Liberator. Teleport. Teleport now. My name is Avon. Kerr Avon. Kerr Avon? You're one of Blake's people. I'm not with his group anymore. We had a falling out. I need teleport now. I think I'll stop it at that point. Uh, but uh, uh, these full cast productions are really great. I mean, I've only got one criticism of Big Finish. I just haven't got the cash flow to keep up with them. <laughs> but um, other than that, they are brilliant. Uh, two more little promotions, if I may. One is a, a personal one. Just say that um, if you haven't already uh, uh, been made aware of it, um, both Ian and myself have occasionally been asked to guest host on other podcasts, and I was uh, asked uh, to go on the Brent's um, Dot Who, The Quest is the Quest uh, uh, show. And um, that is episode 14. It's on Libsyn, so I've just put in the, the room, uh, the uh, page for Libsyn. And we were talking about, um, he's doing all Dot Who season by season. And uh, when it came to me, uh, I was doing about um, The Fourth Doctor, season 14, and um, the stories that we covered were <laughs> The Mask of Mandragra, The Hand of Fear, The Deadly Assassin, The Face of Evil, The Robots of Death, The Talons of Wai Chiang. Uh, 26 episodes we covered in about an hour and 20 minutes. So that's Rents, The Doctor Who, Doctor Who, The Quest is the Quest. It's also available on iTunes. So perhaps you would give that a listen. And also just to mention that um, uh, we've got um, one of the things that Ian and myself also want to do soon is uh, try and get a promo up for the Cult Collective. But um, one of the other... Eh? It's taken us three years to even think about that one. <laughs> yeah. One of the other podcasts, um, of course, is Adventures in Time and Space uh, with Dr. Phil. And he's put out... Um, a lovely little uh, promo. It is rather long, uh, but uh, there's some nice uh, people in it. So let me play that. I'm Paddy Kingsland, radiophonic workshop composer for Doctor Who and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Peter Howell, BBC radiophonic workshop composer for Doctor Who. I'm Roger Lim. I worked at the radiophonic workshop for many years and I was a composer on many Doctor Who stories. I'm Mark Ayres. Hi, this is Dominic Glynn, composer for Doctor Who in the 1980s. I'm Nick Briggs, the voice of the Dalek. I'm Simon Guerrier and I'm a writer. I'm Robert Shearman. I'm Toby Hayden. My name is Gary Russell and you're listening to Adventures in Time, Space and Music on atsm.philipwcerner.com
And the latest episode is episode 50. Uh, and uh, that was a fabulous uh, promo. And uh, for those guys to have actually helped him out with that, stupendous. Really great. And uh, coming up, I will be featuring on, uh, I'm guessing, the next uh, episode of uh, Earth Station 2. It'll be episode uh, 45. Um, should be coming out soon. Where I uh, I got um, asked to to join in with uh, uh, with Mike and uh, and uh, and the Phantom to uh, to talk about the Five Doctors. It's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. So check that out. Uh, you can find them over at uh, Earth Station One. Um, what's their actual URL? E R T H S T A T I O N one.wordpress.com There was on Facebook and uh, yeah so keep on looking at that and, and, and also listen to the other episodes um, Mike's uh, been very very gracious and invited me along and also um, they were very very nice to me uh, well the time gate as well and made me feel quite welcome so there yeah. you go uh, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, I was going to say they're all parts of the Dot Two Podcast Alliance which, of course, the Colton Collective is great place to go and find out new podcasts. Just in case people, uh, you know, need any more. There's, um, <laughs> well, there's 108 there, but about uh, 55 or so are uh, fully active. Already, um, Jeff, you said you had some uh, nice, nice uh, one, one little more piece of news. Yep, and that is related to um, one of our upcoming topics, and that's The Doctors Revisited. Uh, this Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, BBC America will be doing The Seventh Doctor, uh, The Doctors Revisited. Uh, and they have a three-hour time slot for that, so it looks like they're going back to the 40-minute special, and then they're going to show Remembrance of the Daleks after the special. And they will repeat it at 11.15 Eastern. Excellent. Right. And, of course, uh, the week following that, um, the Golden Collective will be talking about uh, the Senate Doctor Revisited. So we hope you all join us for that. Yes, uh, we've learned a lesson, and we're actually taking a week's break uh, before we address that to give people time to actually to, to catch them and see it. Um, or to, to do indeed watch the episode. Um, so there you go. Anything? Yeah, that, that will be um, the 4th of August when we do uh, that episode 214, with next week being my top five movies. Oh, one thing I did, did have to add. Oh, I don't know if I can get there right now, but I'll try. Um, we had a, a bit of an update uh, for guests for... Um, Megacon in Orlando, but I'm not sure if their website is up right now. Oh, yes, there we go. Uh, they've actually just been moving over to a new site, so if you haven't been able to get there, uh, you can now. It looks like it's up and running. Um, we're actually kind of, kind of really, uh, my, my wife and I are definitely planning on going um, this year because uh, they've just recently added um, Kai Owen, Eve Miles, and James Masters. <laughs> um, plus uh, Gareth David Lloyd, uh, Herbert Just Jr., Richard Hatch, uh, Laura Vanderbilt, Bort, sorry, Peter Mayhew, 
So, um, and it's still early days. Uh, this is until uh, it's February of, uh, of next year. So, so we've got a lot of time between here and there, and uh, definitely looking forward to that. So uh, you can check out their site at megaconvention.com, and that's held in Orlando. So yeah, that's my little bit of news. Um, so hopefully, who knows, maybe there'll be more Buffy guests coming, because... Uh, Oh, I just thought you'd like this. Like to hear this, Dave. Uh, this morning when we got up, and Megan asked Callum what he'd like to watch. He said Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> you can now identify her on the screen too. She walks past. He goes Buffy. <laughs> Mind you, he actually he says he says Fuffy, but you know, he <laughs> struggled with the bees. But yeah, so he's he's turned into a bit of a Buffy fan as well. <laughs> I don't know if it's appropriate for a three-year-old who's watching Buffy, but what the heck? <laughs> it's probably not It's probably not appropriate for a 60-odd-year-old to be watching it, so there you go. No, not the way you watch it. <laughs> All right, before we get ourselves into more trouble, here's Andy. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444- 7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a sick client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Alright, hailing frequencies are open and you are all clear to go, Mr. Dave AC. Okay, just let me ask um, Kobo first of all. How are you for time, Kobo? Oh, I'm good. I just need to make this rather quick indeed. So you're not good for time? <laughs> um, well, he's got enough time to do what he's got to do and then get out. <laughs> right, what I meant was I didn't know whether to spend a little bit of time setting up the topic and so on or whether you, you, were, you were down to your last five minutes. That's what I was alluding to. Um, I can, I can stay for a little while because I can put myself on mute and review slides and unmute. Okay, we, we are going to go to you first. I was just wondering whether. Well, okay, I'll, I'll briefly bring this in because um, we're on to the main topic now. Thank you and welcome to. Uh, uh, oh, there's Rick Wall just coming into the room. Hi, Rick Wall. Um, Episode 212, we're talking about my ultimate Star Trek crew. And we're going to leave a little latitude in this with uh, how people have approached it. Uh, people have different ideas of uh, what their crew is. I mean, there may be people who have decided to, um, you know, fill their entire crew with uh, aliens. They may have decided to repopulate their um, crew with existing crew members from the different variations of Star Trek are indeed they may have plucked certain artists and actors from uh, other genres. But um, all in all, there's not going to be a right or wrong way, but I'm sure there will be people with their preferred way. Now, what we're going to do once we get really going is going to go through it by actual, um, uh, the actual character or the person first. But for Kobo's sake, we're going to allow him to go through his old, crew 
Oh, um, uh, just hang on a minute. Yeah, sorry, Darth. Um, um, I was thrown off track there, but um, I did say that I would defer to Darth. Do you want to say something quickly, Kobo, and then I'll uh, go to Darth? Um, no, I'll let Darth go first. Well, it's not a question of going first. It's a question of I did say prior to the recording that um, I, I'd be quite happy for him to ha- handle this topic. Hey, if he has something additional for setup, is what I was saying. Okay. Right. Thank you, Darth. Thank you for putting that in text. That's great of you. Yes, please do uh, lead us off. Well, the uh, idea today that we're going to be doing is uh, using any people who have been established to exist within the Star Trek universe uh, to slot into the various positions that are commonly found uh, upon most um, either spaceships or we'll, we'll also say stations in there as well. So we're looking for the common positions that are found in all four of the major series, uh, as well as um, the reboot that's happened filmically lately. So basically we're going to uh, try to slot in a person at the at the commanding officer level or the captain level, then somebody for first officer, then somebody for chief medical officer, then somebody for con, somebody for science, somebody for engineering, uh, and somebody for sort of security slash tactical slash armory because it was called all sorts of different things. Uh, And then we might have some other positions that are available that only exist in certain iterations of Star Trek, like counselor. There's not a counselor everywhere in Star Trek, but we can assume that there must be uh, counselors that we don't know about because, you know, as we discovered in Deep Space Nine, for instance, there wasn't really a counselor for the first six seasons, and all of a sudden there is a counselor because uh, Dax, in effect, regenerates into uh, Esri Dax, and suddenly there's a need for a counselor. Um, Or uh, communications is another one. Communications is really only in the the chronologically first two uh, iterations of Star Trek, so Enterprise and Star Trek, the original series. But then after that, communications gets folded into uh, tactical, really. Um, Or ops. Ops is not really there as a position in and of itself in the 23rd century Star Trek. But by the time of the next generation, the 24th century Star Trek, suddenly you do need to have an operations officer, and that's what data is primarily. So uh, we will eventually go around the room and look at lots of different things. You can use, again, anybody who's established anywhere. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, they could be Mirror Universe. They could be uh, from the Abrams Universe. They could be from the main universe. doesn't matter. They don't have to be people who uh, were starring in any way, shape, or form. Uh, If you liked a particular guest star who was in a role and you thought the guest star was actually better than the person who regularly had that role, feel free to use them. really doesn't matter. But uh, because Kobo is pressed for time, we'll just uh, let him sort of freestyle and tell us his entire bridge crew. So, Kobo. Uh, um, starting off with Captain, I would put Riker in the captain's chair. I know that's a bit controversial. About time. <laughs> Not at all. He was a captain uh, at the end of the last movie. Mm. Last Next Generation movie. Um, 
thank you for that slight spoiler there, Jeff. But that's okay. Um, um, I want to data as first officer, Worf as tactical officer, Jordy as chief engineer. Um. Blocks is chief medical officer. Um, because I figure having a guy that only needs to sleep every seven years would be awesome. If you're in desperate need of a doctor, um, I was honestly quite torn between data and Q as my science officer because at one point Q wanted to have the whole human experience and I think it'd be awesome to have a higher entity as Um, part of your crew. Um, I don't know where I'd put two to rock, but I want him in there somewhere. Maybe as an assistant dwarf. Um, Have you given us uh, an engineering person yet? Oh, yeah. Jordy. Jordy and Bellana can split those duties because I love both of them equally and I could not freaking decide between them. Um, and plus, I'd love to see a little bit of romantic interest between them. That'd be cool. Um, that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, uh, any thoughts or comments about uh, what Kobo's given us so far? If not, we'll move on Helms- to the challenge round. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, did Jeff. You list, did you list the uh, helmsman? Oh, yeah. Um, at the helm, I would... Probably have um just because I want him on a bridge crew archer. So that might be too many cooks in the kitchen, but I think it'd be one heck of a crew. Alrighty. Well there we go. Well, now we're going to move into the bonus round, sort of, or I guess this is going to be the bulk of the the episode, really, where we investigate each individual position. Now, remember, as we go through this, you know, if we're talking about, say, engineering or science or whatever, uh, you don't have to choose. You can, but you don't have to choose somebody who was 
an engineer in their respective series. So, you know, if you like Scotty and you want him to remain an engineer, fine, choose Scotty, no problem with that. But if you'd like to put somebody else in engineering, like, say, uh, Janeway, because Janeway actually has some sort of science skill, um, you can certainly do that. You can really put anybody you'd like to in any position. So we'll start at the bottom, uh, and I didn't really mention it before, but I guess there's always uh, one person in a Star Trek cast that sort of isn't in the hierarchy at all, right? Uh, you got your Wesley, you got your, well, really, um, who else? Red shirts. Quark. Well, no, not red shirts necessarily, but you got, you know, you got Quark, you got Wesley, you got people who are, you know, the civilians more or less who are attendant to the people who are in the real uniforms. And maybe we like them. Uh, like, you know, I think Quark is fairly lovable and certainly important in a lot of stories. Or maybe you don't really like him, like Wesley, because he's just annoying pretty much all the time. Uh, so, Jeff, let's start with you. Who's your wacky, crazy, not-within-the-hierarchy sort of person? If you have someone. If you don't, it's fine. You haven't considered it. Oh, oh Neelix I... would be mine. I okay. Forget... Yeah, I, that's true. I should have gone back to you, Kobo, because we didn't give you a, a chance to answer that one. So we got a vote for Neelix there. Jeff, what you got? Well, I hadn't really thought of it, but off the top of my head, I'd probably say Kess. Oh, Kess. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what about you, Ian? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Quark because, I mean, you, you need a guy who's on the on the on the kind of kind of evil end. You know, the guy who's got the you know the black market connections. Got to have Quark. I agree. That's a good. That's a good move. Um, <laughs> Who else we got in the lineup today? Uh, Dave, what do you got for? Well, if we're going to go on like that, uh, how about Seska? Seska? There's a blast from the past. Indeed. <laughs> Rick, what you got? Um, going with the uh, um, Bajorans. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, great. Now I. Slipped my mind their name. Oh, Kira. Oh, Kira. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and who else? Have I missed anybody that's on? Well, they can put it in oh, text, oh. presumably, can't they, as well? Yeah. Well, that's true. People, not yeah, on audio. Can't put it in text. And I guess we don't have. Uh, uh, do we get Ken? Are you still out there? Can you hear us with your uh, bad phone connection today? Yeah, you can dial back in again. I guess it could. It looks like he's dialed in, but I don't know. No, that's that's Cobo, that's California. Okay. Well, I personally would go, although I love the choice of Quark or someone of his family or whatever, uh, I think I would really throw in somebody who was a a little bit more religiously minded. So I'd either go for... um, some sort of reconstitution of Kaiopaka, or um, maybe, as would be more interesting, a, a uh, the next line in the Katra of um, oh good lord, who is uh, of Tapau, um, just to have you know somebody warning the crew of impending doom and yet connected to things that are interesting in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, I guess we'll keep with these people who are not always necessarily present. I guess we'll go on to the counselor position. Um, and Dave, I think you had some theories there. 
well, I'll go with somebody who was quite young when she was in... Uh, the, uh, the character was quite young, but now will perhaps have matured. It's a friend of Wesley Crusher. It's Ensign Robin Lehers, played by Ashley Judd, who played the character. Lesser. Left there, uh, Robin. Lesser, yeah. yeah. From that uh, video game episode. Yeah, I hadn't thought about her for ages. But yeah, she was, she was good and implausibly attracted to Wesley. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, and, they did a couple of uh, good um, issues of uh, the comic book uh, DC, in, in D.C. Um, with her in one um, Scotty uh, went to the museum where the uh, Enterprise is docked and uh, he acted as his tour guide slash security agent, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, got into an interesting uh, um, adventure and a couple other things she did in the comic books. So which comic book is this? Is this like the DC? DC Star Trek, yep. Straight up DC Star Trek. Not like, this isn't like their, um, I don't know, Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was DC. Hmm. At this time, it was uh, in DC. DC had the uh, license. Good stuff. Um, Jeff, what do you have for a counselor? If you have, oh no, wait, I'm sorry. Was you're right? It was Marvel at that time. I'm sorry. Is it? But was it Marvel like that? That Ensign thing? You remember that Starfleet Academy Marvel? Or is it? Yeah, no, she wasn't in that. It was a regular. um, comic. Okay. okay. That makes more sense. Jeff, what do you have for a counselor, if anybody? I think I'd go with Phlox, only because he's very ethical, uh, level-headed, and very uh, um, clear-thinking. So I, I just think he would make an excellent counselor. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also a good way to you can get flocks and you can also get somebody else uh, for CMO and you get both of them really. That's what works out. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If I can break in to the sure counselor can. thing, um, I would go for, um, McCoy, because I think in addition to being a medical officer, he was a, um, Psychiatrist as well. Yeah, I think, I think he managed to fulfill both roles in the series. Well, at least with Kirk, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think, Dave, did I hear you pipe up there for a second? Uh, no, it's all right. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself. I was just... Uh, Making noises. You're all right. All right. No, and I think you're, that's a good observation that you're, you're making there, Kovo, because that certainly harks back to the general notion of that character, even though it's not actually McCoy in, like, you know, the cage and the pilot. Um, you certainly see that that is what Roddenberry wanted kind of the relationship of the doctor to the captain to be, to be that of a psychiatrist, because, you know, whoever that 
and the original Doctor was, was it Pepper or something like that? I forget his name. Um, you know, comes into Pike's room and pulls out a drink, and they have a drink, and it's, you know, that's supposed to be the medicine of the Doctor. Um, yeah. So, so certainly, you know, although even the original series shows there to be counselors and psychiatrists in Starfleet, um, there is It's not a position. It's not exactly, well, it's not a position on the Starship. Uh, it certainly is in research stations on the ground, but narratively, yeah, you you can make a strong argument that McCoy is effectively acting as a, a kind of counselor, um, if not to the entire crew, certainly to Kirk. Now, Ian, I, I don't really think I ask you this question, but I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a shot. Uh, who do you think should be counselor on your dream ship? Or is Ian gone? Ian? Good Lord. Oh, Siri, that's what happens when you mute yourself. <laughs> oh, I see. Such a good answer, too. Next. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guinan. Guinan, really? That's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she's she's got such a relaxing manner about her, um, you know, and she she can talk to anybody from you know the lowliest of ensigns to to the captains, and she has a fully stocked bar. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She would have been my second choice after. And she knows how to mix just about any drink there's ever been. <laughs> she was going to be my so, choice if I was there. Uh, so well. <laughs> well, Rick, what was your choice? Uh, well, it was going to be Guinan, but uh, my second choice would be Odo, of all people, believe it or not. Yeah. But well, being an outsider, sort of, he can give, you know, he can uh, um, um, give a, a accurate um, uh, opinion of you not being tied to anything specifically, especially, quote-unquote, humanity. Um, you know what the funny thing about Odo is? He he knows what it's like to be you because he can actually be you. Yeah, that's <laughs> true too. <laughs> I just wonder if he understands, you know, emotions and I yeah, mean, he clearly, emotions. clearly he he evolved, if you will, in the character as the series went on. Early on, I I, I don't know if he really did. Well, I mean, you'd have to think that you would... No, he didn't understand own... humanity, per se, but he knew emotions. His his people are not emotionalists. True. Yeah. And he, he was a good judge of character, as it were, and you have to know... Yeah, yeah definitely that. ...solve crimes and whatnot. Hmm. And he knew when Quark was lying. And why. Yeah, well... Just about all the time, so it wasn't so hard. <laughs> well, mine's fairly traditional here, and I think this is the only one of the positions that I have where I'm actually choosing somebody who actually had the position on another show. And of course, there could only be one counselor. Uh, That's no good lord, Esri Dax. <laughs> I mean, well. <laughs> She only had one I knew season, he was going so, that way. Yeah, I, I mean, knew, that's, I knew when he mentioned counselor at the beginning of the show, he was going that way. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the only choice that you could possibly make. But that's the only predictable choice that I think that I have. But I mean, come on, she's great. She deserves more than just one series. Oh, I agree All with right. That. Yeah. 
Uh, now moving on to, and some people might say this is a major position because it certainly is in the 24th century, but it's not at all in anything before that. Uh, but so uh, it's it's kind of low down on the list. But operations, um, you know, obviously it's got a lot of prominence because of data um, and because there's that whole thing of it's a step up from tactical and, you know, can Worf do the job? And, you know, so it's, it's made out to be a big deal. Um, but then it sort of is devalued a little bit in Voyager because it goes from being a position that is sort of with the second officer to a position that's manned by the most junior officer that they have with Harry Kim. And it's very confusing exactly what operations does. Basically, it seems to be that they run interference for this, at least data runs interference for uh, the first officer and sort of is where all the reports from all the various other departments come into. And so he's like sort of a chief manager more or less. And he's also, I guess, looking at the various systems that are operating on the ship and can point out when there's a problem. Uh, so if you have thought about operations, um, we're going to throw there and I guess we'll turn to Jeff. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think you were going to go to me right away. I know. It's all very random. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Well, I I think you need to have somebody very technically minded and scientifically Mm -hmm. minded uh, for that position. Uh, So I'm just going to go with um, the most obvious choice, I think, there, and that's data. Uh, It just seems like the, the ops position requires somebody that uh, can oversee the entire ship in in a way. Um, it, the, the position seems to be that they have to monitor everything that's going on, and who else but a an android? So my choice would be data. That's, I mean, completely logical. It's certainly, since he's essentially the character that originated the position and since the position was shown to be basically that of no pun intended data crunching uh then yeah why not him that makes some sense what do you got rick uh my favorite ops officer miles o'brien yeah that's true because you have to be a jack of all trades that's true. It is a very generalized. You have to know a little bit about all the different positions in order to analyze the various screens. That's true. It's weird because he is called operations officer, but I, for some reason it always seemed like he was doing a totally different job to what uh, Beta had done. Does anybody else think that? I mean, I know he was called that, and he was in the uh, yellow shirt. According to um, 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 the uh, Bibles in both series, Operations officer is a man who is in control of everyday operations of the ship, other than the second, I mean, first officer. Uh, They are responsible for engineering, right, basically. That's true. I mean, mean, and I know that there are certainly scenes where you see that happening with, with Miles and you kind of believe that, but it also seems like he's a little bit more of the chief engineer kind of too i mean it's a kind of a weird uh, hybrid in a way but I mean, it's, it's somebody else. what's that 
Did I put somebody else? I don't think you did, no. So here's your chance. Um. Oh, man, this is ridiculously hard. Um. I would have to. Um. This is gonna sound way weird, but the AMAs from Voyager. No, oh, from so Voyager? The EMH. Uh, oh, so, oh, right, yeah. So essentially, more or less an ECH kind of. Um, yeah. That seems reasonable enough, except I, I wonder that I wonder how that would work though, because you would have the computer monitoring itself. So what happens if the computer fails? Then you've got nobody actually monitoring the ship. But you've got Archer on your bridge. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Your bridge is totally, yeah. It's senior person heavy, isn't it? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of redundancies in there. Dave, what about you? Um, Well, I thought it should be... um, Something like, um, you know, a, a Vulcan or something like that. Or, um, so how about um, the role, is it Kirstie Alley plays? Is it um, Sav, Savica? Something like that. Yep. Somebody with a logical mind like that. I was I was debating whether it should be to Pal or not, but Robin I'm reserving to Pal for something else. <laughs> Are you now? Different <laughs> <laughs> kind of bridge through all together. <laughs> He's reserving here for the uh, for the for the decon gel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Now I saw Ken light up there for a second. Uh, are you are you there, Ken? I don't know. Guys, uh, no. okay, okay, saw the a bit funny then. Perhaps not. Alrighty, and what you got on this one? I'm g- I'm gonna have to go with O'Brien because. Um, from the time we first saw him on the screen, he's been flying the ship. He's been uh, running and fixing the transporter. Um, he's been a soldier. Um, and he's basically kept a, a, an entire um, space station from falling apart at the seams. Um, mm. So who better to run just about everything than Miles Edward O'Brien? After I saw him in Con Air, I can't. I couldn't pick him because he was so good in that part. <laughs> Put me right off him. So yeah, I mean, so good in actually. He's always been there on Star Trek. On the next generation, you see him from like the very beginning. He's flying the ship. Then you see him. He's transporter chief. And then you know, then he moves over to Deep Space Nine. And he's you know, he's keeping the place from falling apart. Um, and of course, then is his background is is basically a, a, a soldier. Um, you know, who better really to, to keep hold of everything. Hmm. It's hard to argue with Miles O'Brien, it really is, or anybody, or, or Data for that matter, because they, they both are quintessentially the, the definitional roles for it. Um, I never understood Harry, though. Uh, that z- made zero sense to me, that whole character. I didn't understand how he could be so young and basically stupid in a lot of ways, and, and yet... <laughs> be in charge of operations, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
Um, so I guess it's time for me. So I would throw in um, Hoshi here just because I think she has the kind of mind that would uh, be able to look at lots of different things and to find patterns in in uh, problems that are coming up. And also because I think, you know, we're going to go on to communications officer next. I'm going to bow out of that round because I don't think that the communication officer makes any sense, really. Um, I, I tend to favor the, the 24th century model where communications is just sort of thrown into uh, tactical or another station um, because I think that by that point, you know, you would have the ability to have that done mostly by computer. Um, but Hoshi is a character I always really liked, and I, I, I would keep her pretty much the same and have her still be a little bit vulnerable to space flight and, and yet be the one that you need to turn to in an emergency because I think that's a really nice dichotomy that isn't portrayed enough in, in Star Trek. Everybody seemed to be, you know, perfect space travelers. And, and I always had a problem with that because not everybody can be a perfect space traveler. And I, I, I think Hoshi was just a, a, a nice bit of realism in, amidst some heightened reality, really. Uh, but like I said, we will move on. The Murray universe, Hoshi. <laughs> well, I mean, that was a, uh, that was great, you know, in, in in terms of, you know, the the mirror universe. I, th I think that was a great step because it really was somebody who was radically different than she actually was in the, the main universe. So that was quite a nice turnaround. Plus the, you know, midriff doesn't hurt. Um, but moving on, uh, we'll go into her area of competency in the real universe and see if people have anything to say for com officer jeff what do you got there if anything um i would have to go with hoshi just because she can recognize languages so fast and especially in that era of star trek uh the universal uh translator wasn't that good yet uh so she was just perfect for the role and i think she'd be perfect in any uh star trek crew for that role I didn't put any of the cons either, and again, going to my redundancy issue, I think Jane Way would be one heck of a comms officer because she can handle a lot of traffic. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, sir. Um... <laughs> But uh, yeah, she's a multitasker, apparently. Uh, that would be true. Rick, what have you got to get us out of this mire? <laughs> or make it even worse. No, or seriously. Um, you're going to probably laugh. But how about rum? Don't laugh at that, Rom. Any chance to see more mm -hmm. of Max Grodin's shit is a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. What, what, why him? Just out of curiosity. Um, because he wasn't as stupid as he made himself out to be, and uh, he's uh, you know a, a very uh, um, 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 nice and 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 social type uh, person, and that's the kind of person you need as a uh, uh, communications officer, I think. Can I change one to Gannon? Now that I think about it. Sure. 
Should be a great comms officer. Why do you think that? Because like Jeff said earlier, she can communicate with anybody and go up or down to their level and That's probably true. I just, I, I wonder if she, uh, I mean, I guess she has the ability to speak in multiple languages. I don't know that it's ever really been shown before by one. Her powers are so ill-defined that you could add that on and probably have no difficulty. But then again, I mean, that was always the weird thing about the composition uh, until um, Hoshi and modern Uhura, Abrams Uhura, there was never really that much of an indication that the uh, that Uhura, I guess, because she was our only real comm officer, uh, was actually speaking in another language. I mean, there was Star Trek, what, five, I guess, or six, or wherever it is that she has to p- stupidly pull out a book of Klingon. Um, but before that, I mean, it was never, oh, you know, I'm communicating in another language. It was always, I'm just opening the hailing frequencies. Um, so, so maybe it's not required that there be some sort of uh, linguistic ability, but I don't know. I I do like the the Hoshi and modern Uhura model, where you know somebody's actually doing some hard work to communicate with another species. Um, Dave, where are you on this one? Right. Well, I had originally thought of Hoshi actually, but I decided that I've got a bit too many too many women in my crew at the moment. So mm. <laughs> I thought, um, how about if we broaden the thing with communications and, you know, sort of cultural officer? So I thought, how about Chakotay with all his, um, you know, his, um, from his background of, of knowing about cultures and dream time. And uh, he, he, he seemed to be always um, had that connection with people. So I would thought he would make a very empathic sort of um, Communications officer Chakotay from uh, from Voyager. Yeah, but that bravely brings in the acting choices of Robert Beltran. Uh, so, not sure if you want to admit that into a crew, but the character as written might be interesting. Well, well, that's it. We're not picking. Well, I suppose we are picking the actors, but we are picking the the characters. Okay. Yeah. But I thought, I mean, he was an interesting character, wasn't he? Because there he was um, in mm. space. But uh, and like Tapal would have uh, her, you know, a candle and meditation. He had his little medicine uh, things, and um, you know, in touch with. And I think there were a couple of stories where, where he had to to uh, sort of uh, build bridges between, you know, different races. Now, I think is that everybody or Ian have I not gotten to you? I Ian, yeah, I think. It's me, it's me, I think. All right, um, so you got the com. I'm just gonna have to go with Hoshi because, like, mm. I mean, I mean, until the the uh, new Uhura, if you've got to have a communications officer, you're gonna have somebody who can actually who's been shown to 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 be able to speak in different languages and to learn, you know, you know, to learn, you know, all linguistics and everything. And that's that's just it's Hoshi in a nutshell. Um, and plus, I didn't really like her in anything else. So, just might as stick her. I don't like her. And nothing against to her, but it was a different time of television. And she just answered yeah. the phone. Yeah. 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 That's all she did. Oh, there's a phone call for you. 
That's true. Yeah, it, it's tricky because, you know, when I'm thinking about this person ops, the, the difficulty I had was, do I really want, do I want Hoshi or do I want newer Hoa? And that's a tough, tough choice. Um, especially after Into Darkness. Because I think oh, yeah, the, of course, the film version one, yeah. Yeah, Into Darkness really expands the uh, Uhura character. But at the end of the day, uh, the backstory uh, of Hoshi is really interesting, and, and uh, that's what got me, was that there was something you could play with dramatically. But in terms of competency, I mean, I, I, th- I think that luckily the new Uhura has been informed, I think, by the Hoshi thing. It's it's almost like old Uhura took a detour through Hoshi a little bit and picked up some of those practical skills, which is a good thing. Uh, he's not here, Logan, but I would imagine Logan would have picked Hoshi for his communications officer. He's a big fan of uh, the actress. Oh, Linda Park. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right. So that's those are your sort of... Uh, people who are not here all the time in every single series. Uh, but now I guess we're going to move up to the, the 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 real, the big, the core elements of a bridge crew. However, uh, it's difficult because there are some things here that are a little bit different from series to series. For instance, we started out, I think, and uh, in the early series, and you had, and by early I mean first produced, not chronologically first. So Star Trek, the original series, you had a helm officer and you had a navigation officer, which when you unpack those words makes no sense because they mean the same thing, really. But supposedly Chekhov was navigator and Sulu was helm, which really, there's no difference between the word helm and navigation. Pilot or co-pilot almost. I thought Chekhov had more to do with, like, modern tactical. Later. Uh, certainly yeah, by the time you get to Star yeah. Trek, the movie, he's he's very clearly tactical there. He's very clearly armory in, in Star Trek, the motion picture. But in the, the film, in the original series, you know, you got the guy on the right and you got the guy on the left. And one of them mm-hmm. is Navigator and one of them is Helm. And it doesn't make any sense. And so they, in the um, next generation and forward, what they did was combine Helm and Navigator into a position called Con, and that's where, like, Wesley sat for the first three years or whatever. And then after that, they sort of had a rotating person sitting there that was, I mean, yes, bridge crew, but they were never invited into the, you know, uh, conference center whenever something was big was happening. So they weren't, somehow they were bridge, but not important bridge. Uh, it really made no sense. Sailor uh, officers and not commanding officers of the division. I suppose, yeah. Uh, and and then, you know, also you have this thing of... Uh, so that's on the right side. That's sort of the, you know... Or division uh, head. I, or division head, yeah. I mean, so I'm saying that's one thing. Is sort of somebody who is flying the ship, that's one position. So we'll call that position con. And then the other sort of position is, as Ho was just pointing out... Uh, the person is in charge of armory and tactical and security. So your reads, I guess, and the, uh, um, I don't even know who does, who, oh, and, and, and Worf, I guess. Um, so if you've got a different theory on this, as we go through, if you, if I like say 
Like I, I've got it on my sheet, a security tactical armory is one thing. If you want to unpack that and give a different person for those different things, then go for it. Uh, so we'll start with that. We'll start with that sort of triple in threat. In Voyager, um, uh, what's the security officer's name in Voyager? Tuvok. Tuvok is security. I could have him as security on my ship and warfronting tactical because that makes sense. Like on, especially like with the early starships, I can see a lot of things going wrong with morale. And I think you would need, like, somebody to handle ship security and somebody to handle external threats for lack of a better term. Okay, so you would, in fact, unpack those and split them off. Uh, One person for security and one person for tactical. um, That's That's what I I have, too. Oh! I'm not... Sorry, Kobo. I, we've been periodically shouting out to you, Ken, but getting nothing back. It's good to have you back. No, I wasn't able to get. I wasn't able to get back. The phone wasn't. The cell That's phone all. wasn't connecting. But I'm back. All right. Back. Well, we got you now. So let me let me just very quickly. We'll take a detour because we haven't gone that far. <laughs> uh, we'll take a detour. First of all, uh, who's your wacky, not really related to Starfleet? Um, I don't know, wise old character or smart aleck character. Well, I, I guess as much as possible, my chief mm. of security is Odo. Okay. Very good. Uh, but we'll step back from security for just a second just to give you a chance to give us your first three answers, I guess. Uh, do you have anybody who's like in the position of, I don't know, Wesley, Quark, uh, somebody who's not really in the chain of command of Starfleet, well, but sort of on the if side? If I could, I guess... I guess maybe do my whole list for for sake of uh, technology oh, if I get disconnected. Right. Yeah, Not really yeah, for time, but I don't want to, if I get cut out. We didn't speak quickly enough. Uh, we're not giving anything. Uhura, boost the signal. <laughs> uh, the Klingons are jammed. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, we got Warp out of that at least. Uh, I mean, we got Odo out of that at least. Um, Dave, uh, who have you got in the sort of, you know, security tactical armory? Right. Well, I've, I've got some um, for the um, the armory one, uh, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed from Enterprise, mm-hmm. and uh, which I think was his job on Enterprise anyway. Mm-hmm. And for for the pilot one, for the other one, as those. Um, uh, Travis Mayweather, you know, the en- ensign who was oh, yeah. the pilot and that. So um, I had actually thought about having Tom Paris, but I, I, I saw these two characters, assuming they're in station side by side, uh, of, of gelling better because Tom, Tom Paris, as portrayed, is, is, is a bit of a loose cannon. So, um, mm, yeah, so, I, so I prefer... I think en- uh, Ensign Travis Mayweather and uh, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed in the, uh, those two stations. Fair enough. Ian, what have you got in this sort of preventative um, measures section? Go, uh, any further? Uh, Ken is back. Ken. Oh, Ken is back. 
No, right. Let me defer to Ian because he was asking. Go Ian first. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, we're going to surf your wave first here. Okay, and... okay. Uh, Captain Card. Um, first Officer Kirk and an intermediate. Excellent. Sorry, what do you mean, Mike? If I can stop you there, Kirk, new or Kirk old, Shatner or Pine? Um, Shatner. Okay. And I would have a if Kirk is out of commission, then it would be a Commander Shelby. Oh yeah. Just because mm-hmm. I wanted to see her step up, and I always wanted her in there. Okay. Um, science officer. Uh, Spock, Leonard Nimoy Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, Helm would be run by Sulu, and then second to Sulu would be Dax. Okay. Weapons tactical would be Commander Worf. The military strategy, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, engineer, it would be a team, but it would be led by Montgomery Scott. And then second would be Miles O'Brien. Chief of Security. Hmm? Are you saying Dewan Scott or are you saying Peg Scott? It, it, um, oh, um, it would be James Dewan. Okay. Scott. And then uh, Miles O'Brien as his second. Uh, Chief of Security, Odo. Um, Chief Medical Officer, the uh, Bones McCoy. And it would be either, um, I love the new McCoy so much, <laughs> I think he is. Have a new one, go have a new one. Yeah, go with the new one, he is so good. I, I love him as an actor, too, and everything. Um, and communications would be uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, Uhura, finishing it up. And... Um, Can I... Can I ask, uh, Dad, are we are we visualizing these characters in their prime, as it were? <laughs> what in the what? world do you mean by that? Well, I mean, when we're thinking... We when, speak on gel and all. <laughs> are you saying Shatner no, then, not Shatner we're now? Of, when we're thinking of Scotty, we're not thinking of a, a 65-year-old Scotty saying, hello, computer. We're talking about him be- yeah, you know, in his vigorous prime. prime. Yeah, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what people would consider the prime. <laughs> Frankly, I kind of like movie doing better than series doing because uh, it gets more right. to do generally. I don't know, but he's not on my list anyway. So who the hell cares? <laughs> you know, right. whatever uh, it's whatever you want to define. Right. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. You're good. So, uh, Ken, do you have a um, like any kind of Wesleyish character or the you know, some sort of person who is there every week and is part of the regular or semi-regular cast. I, I would have in... I would have Wesley there in some capacity, wow. as Will Wheaton is now. Oh, I see. Wiser, sarcastic, maybe savvy, a bit crazed. <laughs> after <laughs> after he had humility of 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 getting his hand slapped the way he did, and seasoned by the years, I think it would be interesting. Shut and, up, Wesley. <clears throat> And I think I'd, I'd, I'd have Guinan floating around just to give, I don't know, she'd be kind of the unofficial uh, Yoda slash counselor, just kind of wandering around giving sage advice. 
when needed. Yeah. Well, part of Sarah's list is he actually did have a, a, a choice for counselor. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think the way it goes. Um, I think uh, a good bottle of Romulan ale is probably the best counselor in the <laughs> times of stress. Yeah. Well, that was my choice for counselor was was Guinan because of a whole bunch of things. Plus, she has a fully stocked box. <laughs> yeah, and she can see uh, alternate realities, etc. Et but <laughs> I think uh, that's part of the fully stocked bar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 That would be good. And. Uh, Think of any others. Um, hmm. Well, what do you think of that? Bashir should be there somewhere, giving some wisdom. Who should be there? Bashir. Bashir Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he has a a list of, 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 of positions that we've been going through. Um, and so, if you want to kind of wait, we'll leave you till the end of each one to give you time to think, as if you're still here uh, for yeah. each one, and then you can yeah. can chime in with your additions to that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly what capacity. Kieran Nuri should be there somewhere too. Just uh... well, that's but, the cutthroat nature of this thing. You do have to actually figure out where the people go. Actually, actually, no. I would I would have her a second to Odo. That would make a good team working together. Obviously, I guess. But would it be Odo? Uh, when in Odo's timeline would it be? Would it be after he left her to go back into the, the Great Link, or would he? Yeah, no, be before that. That's really that. very interesting. Yeah, indeed. Well, let's get back on the train here. Uh, and I guess Jeff, you're up next with uh, the thank you, sir. Question, thank you, sir. Uh, but feel free as we go through this, just because you know, because uh, Kobo's given his list, but he's still chiming in. Uh, so please do feel free to chime in as we go to each individual position. And Jeff, I guess we're at uh, still security technical armory again. Could be one person, could be two people, could be three people, whatever you want to do. Well, I w- I would split this up. Uh, tactical, mm. I would have Worf, and for security, I would have Odo. Odo mainly because he can uh, uh, shape shift and get into spots that no one else can. Uh and he has the uh the mind to uh to track down people, I think, better than anyone else. And Worf has that, that tactical mind uh where you know he can uh manipulate the, the the controls of the tactical station and and do whatever he wants and uh he's got that uh Militaristic uh, Klingon thought process, I guess. Uh, very aggressive, and uh, I'd want him there. Mm. That makes <laughs> total sense to me. Um, <laughs> Dave, well, what have you what have you got in this area? I, I've done those two. The you uh, have done. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, you absolutely have. Yeah, I, I, I shot this name with that. Yeah. And, I'm sorry, Rick. I didn't mean to go to you. I was looking at the... I haven't done con, and I haven't done this. Um, 
For a con, I'd have... Oh, wait, we're no, I'm sorry, we're not actually at con yet. I just mentioned that as one of the things that is a vexed question as we go forward. We are oh. just at security, tactical, and armory right now. Okay, uh, hmm. then I'd have to go with Chicote. As everything, or just as one of the three? As, the ta- as tactical officer. All right, then. Would you would you particularly emphasize security as something like internal security, something separate, or um, not, not really? But yeah. um, um, if I have to split it up, I'd uh, go with uh, Wharf as, as uh, security. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Did Rick? Uh, Ian, oh, sorry, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, why did you pick Chakotay? Uh, do you remember the strategy he came, he came up with in the episodes called Scorpion? Uh, vaguely. That's why. Okay, it's been a long time, but yeah, vaguely. Getting from here okay. to there. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I, I like the, uh, uh um, um, the total fake out that the Kazon took hook, line, and sinker, and uh, stuff like that. Uh, everything worked just about the way he had it, had assumed it would and, and hoped it would. Very good. I have really got to go, guys. Great show so far. <laughs> Cannot wait to listen to the rest of it. Okay, All Kobo. Right, Kobo. Thank you for your contributions. Thanks for stopping by. Bye, Kobo. Bye. Bye. And Bye, I Kobo. Think that leaves us with Ian, right? Or did you already go? And yeah, yes, no, me. Very good. All right. Well, um, I'm breaking them out into the, the three sections uh, for mm. security. Uh, actually, no, I'll start with tactical. Tactical mm. had Karen Reese, um, you know, uh, Bajoran Freedom Fighter. Um very very helpful when you're when you're talking you know all kinds of tactics um not just the by the book uh armory who better to handle a, a decent sized weapon than morph and for security elam garrick very nice very <laughs> nicely done indeed me like a garrick <laughs> yeah nothing wrong with that <laughs> Yeah, I like that choice. Hmm. Uh, I suppose I would... I, I certainly wouldn't separate tactical from armory. I mean, I think the only reason you did that in in uh, Enterprise was because it was physically difficult to uh, load the missiles or whatever. Um, but So my, my tactical would be Shran. And he would definitely be... He would definitely be second officer. Um, and then we could have some tension with whoever's going to be my first officer. Um, <laughs> and security, I mean, it would be there, but I, I think I agree with Rick. It wouldn't be like the focus of a lot of stories. So I would actually go with this dude named Hindorf, uh, who is better known as Cupcake from um, the 2009 and 2013 movies. Um, he's the guy that... Uh, Kurt gets in a fight with at the 
bar, and he's a guy who just hits Kirk repeatedly over and over again, uh, which, you know, I think that's about all I would require out of my security guy, to be honest with you. Um, and then there would be no real need for security stories. Um, so that's how I'd go. All right, now into my, the... My, sec- what, my second oh, choice sorry. for security would have been... Well, actually, it was. She was in the lead before mm-hmm. it was intendant. Oh, yeah. But it went a little yeah, easier. Intended, yes. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean, she, hell. She'd get all the information out of you, and you'd like it. And you'd very much like it. Yeah, I mean, that. well, that's the other thing is, you know, if we really were smart about it, I guess we'd be picking all Mirror Universe guys, really, for, for that, for security. Um, oh, even no. even O'Brien in, in the Mirror Universe was a bit dead. Yeah. Yeah, he he was the one that went weaker for some reason, but uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, or anybody, or what's her name? I mean, the uh, who's who's the in in the actual episode Mirror Mirror, the uh, captain's woman. Who is she? But Say well, whatever I believe was her name. Something, yeah. But I mean, once once Kirk gives her the um, no Marla Marla something. Marla, you're right, you're right. It is Marla. Yep. But once he gives her the the secret of that whatever that what's that device uh, the um, tantalus field the tantalus field yeah once once you got the tantalus field then you are security period I mean obviously you are so she would be great you know if you're going to choose mirror people but the thing is if you bring a mirror person over there's only been one who even wanted to try to stay they always seem to want to go back for some reason I don't know why but they do all right so now we move into you know the the full on you got to have all of these in order to really have a Starfleet vessel of any kind. Um, I guess you have to have tactical, you have to fire phasers, but engineering, one of the big departments. Who are we going to put at engineering? Dave? Well, I've gone with uh, Scotty. I mean, that's one of my few traditional ones. In fact, when I'm thinking about it, maybe the only traditional, no, two I've got. So, Engineering, it's Scotty, but I think I'd quite like to have um, somebody else, um, you know, as his junior. Um, not too sure whether it should be, um, uh, oh, what's his name out of um, Enterprise? Um, so picking quite a few Trip. out of Enterprise. It's probably because I'm still, yeah, Trip, because I'm, I'm re-watching it at the moment. They're showing it on oh. Pick TV in the UK. So, yeah, Trip as his sort of uh, second-in-command. Hmm. But so you're talking, and again, just for clarity, I'm sure you're probably talking about doing, but you are talking yeah. about old Scotty. And since you brought it up, what <laughs> what version of that Scotty are we talking about? Are we talking about 60s or 80s Scotty? Uh, the the one that drinks uh, uh, Romulan and brandy that uh, picks a fight in the canteen with uh, <laughs> the uh, irascible one from. Uh, from those days, the one that falls in love. Mm, okay, so 30s and 40s age. Yeah. Uh, doing. All right. Very good. Jeff, what about you? Well, you know, I this one, I keep going back and forth. There are so many good um, candidates. Uh, you have the James Doohan, Scotty. You have uh, Jordy LaForge. And also, I'm also considering Trip, but... There's one character that I think would trump them all, and that's Q. Mm. Because uh, 
you know, if you get in a in a fight, let's say, with uh, another ship and they overpower you, he could snap his fingers and make everything go right. Right. Can, can I just say, I, I, I've got I've got cue for another p- position, but I'd assume that if he was a member of the crew, he would have had to have lost his his powers. his unique powers. Yeah, he'd be a human cue, if you know what I mean. But but I'm assuming you are obviously stating a cue that still has his powers. The trouble is, then he could solve every problem well, the ship ever met, couldn't it? Very, very true. Very true. You but, have uh, a, an um, omnipotent Wesley on your hands. Oh dear! <laughs> oh my! Yeah, and he could fix anything, you know, uh, on the ship. That's so he'd never be in jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah, I guess he, he would kind of defeat the purpose of the sh- having a show. <laughs> but uh, if I had to pick one of the uh, traditional characters, I'd probably have to go with um, the original series, Scotty. Indeed. It's kind of hard to get away from the original model. Yeah. Rick, what have you got in here? Uh, general consensus, Scotty. And, again, Scotty. Uh, James doing, of course. Mm. Well, I'm almost scared to ask, but Ian, what have you got for engineer? <laughs> engineer, I got trip. Sucker. I mean, you know, these 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 modern engineers have uh, become too reliant on 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 almost modern technology to to get them out of scrapes. And you know, if you want somebody who truly understands how an engine works, you got to go back to the beginning. You got to get the man who, you know, was a pioneer in this. A grease monkey. And you got to go with trip. <laughs> yep. Yep. Engineer hmm. on the first warp you know, five a trip. starship. Plus. He's a man who literally will give us life. Well, I suppose. Literally. In, in an active battle. Twice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I mean, this one is this one is very um, kind of tough for me in the sense that I don't, I don't really care that much dramatically about who the uh, engineer is. Uh, uh, maybe because, again, as as we all know, my favorite version of Star Trek doesn't depend a whole lot on engineering dilemmas. Because, um, I mean, how many times was really Miles O'Brien called on to do things that were techno battle? I mean, he did occasionally, but it wasn't really. Most of the things that you have with O'Brien were actual human interest stories, you know, real emotional you know, what is his relationship to Bashir? What's his relationship to his wife? You know, it's not really about what kind of power he's going to get out of the warp coils. If I were to choose Scott, though, I'll just tell you right now, uh, it would not be doing at all because to me, Simon Pegg is just so much better um, in, in every way, shape, and form. And, and again, that's because they're giving him better lines, but I, you know, you can't compare the acting skill of doing to. Peg, there's just Peg is clearly better to me. Um, but I wouldn't, you know. I guess I would make my one concession to Voyager on this, and I would put Janeway there because uh, she can she can spout off the techno babble in a plausible way, and 
Uh, I think that's about the best we're going to do for that for that whole series. I think that's about all I'm going to take away from that. I really right. thought you'd go oh. with LaForge. Uh, LaForge is on my list, but not as engineering. Okay. So you know, we'll find out. All right. So uh, closely allied to that, I suppose, we have science coming up next. Uh, so who... Let's see. Rick, we'll go back to you. Is in your science department. Okay. Um, let's see now. That would have to be Flox because of his knowledge of all the different races, even though it's very basic at that time. But, um, you know, he knows uh, the biology of quite a few different species. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not. I originally went to college for marine biology, so I have an affinity towards biologists, and he was the closest one in any of the series, so... That's true, because he really is more than just a, uh, I mean, to say just a medical he holds doctor. Seven de- I think he says he holds seven degrees or something. Seven right. doctorates, sorry. Something yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. And, and certainly there is the the notion of him sort of bringing zoology to bear on medicine. Yep. Good stuff. Dave, what about you? Uh, well, I've got the Q for this one, but uh, I'm assuming it's going to be a Q stripped of his powers, but not stripped of his intelligence. So I'm assuming that he can't suddenly conjure up you know, a fantastic machine, but if they come across alien technology, he would know what it is because of his, the Q having been in contact with them. In other words, he'd know about the Borg, even though he couldn't just snap his fingers and, and defeat the enemy. But he would know what their weaknesses were. Uh, 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 I could give the captain, you know, tell him what he was up against. So, for Q, but a Q without his omnipotence. Very good. Ian, where are you on science? I'm going to have to go with the actual science offer. I'm going to have to go with Dax. Jedzia, namely. Um, you know, wealth of knowledge of, of, of just about everything, um, you know, and it's Dax. <laughs> oh, I have a hard time arguing with that. Because um, the, the great thing about Dax is that there, there were many moments where you got the sense that she really did deal in pure science. Mm-hmm. She, you know, in, in a way that kind of it happened a little bit with Spock, but I think in a much pure way. I mean, it was, she was genuinely curious about scientific matters, and it didn't really seem to matter to her whether there was necessarily an application for it. It was just, she was very much into the discovery of it. Right. And she's, in, in some ways, Dax, the original Dax, is one of the most Roddenberry-esque characters that the show ever produced. Um, 
which is maybe one of the reasons that I really like that character. But I'm not sure that I would put her as science officer. Um, it's a tough one. It, it really is. Because there's so many great people that you could put there uh, and have a lot of nice dramatic potential and also get some interesting stuff that's going on. Um, the the temptation is to go with the, with a data, I suppose. Not for me, but that's I can understand why that would be the temptation. Um, but I I guess really I would just throw in hmm, trying to think. Do I want to do this? But this is the one that I go. This is the one that I go back and forth on because I, I want it to be a ship that has a lot of different cultural elements in it, as well as one that you know has an appropriate person in each position. But I, I guess I would, at the end of the day, throw modern Quinto Spock there. I guess. Uh, I as much as I love Nimoy. Uh, I just think there's something, if you're talking about the pure scientific aspect, there's something about the Quinto Spock that hits me better there. Um, if you're talking about leadership Spock, I think I would go Nimoy, but you know, for the pure science of it, and not have him in the, the, the actual chain of command. I mean, I wouldn't make him first officer or anything. Oh, like that's that. good. I'm glad you said that because I was wondering whether you were thinking science officer and first officer were dual duties. But if we were having another choice, that's that, that's great. No, no. I, the the difficulty is for me. I really want to put to Paul there, but to Paul is unfortunately written so horribly over the you know all over the place. In in Enterprise, they really failed that character in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm and if I was very very close minded to a lot of things, the, oh, well, yeah. time travel is not not possible. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just but but just the emotional thing, the fact she's got this whatever virus that happened to her later, and you know, it, the character just goes everywhere, and it's hard well, to like well, her. were close minded uh, in a way. Uh, and, um, you know, it was basically her faith in the, uh, um, Vulcan Ministry of Science also, who declared that time travel is illogical and therefore impossible. Yeah, I mean, there are, certain, there are parts of the T'Pol character that do make sense. That's one of the ones that makes sense to me, because... Uh, you know, the broader arc of Vulcans that happens throughout Enterprise. But I suppose it's more the personal aspect of her that just, I, I don't know what to latch onto that makes it difficult for me to, to pick her over Spock as sort of the prime Vulcan. And I haven't, I mean, I've got sort of maybe possibly, I'm not going to have a Vulcan really except for one. Uh, so <laughs> what, what would I choose? Would it be... Spock, I think so, because Spock is, especially Quinto Spock, because, you know, Quinto Spock has the advantage of Nimoy Spock already having happened, and so therefore he sort of is doing a riff on, a distilled riff on um, Nimoy Spock, and it comes out to be just, to my mind, beautiful. Because uh, you can really see his mind working 
in a way that sometimes you can't with Nimoy. Um, and so I, that's who I would go with with that. Um, so I'd, uh, I'd go with Jodzia. Yeah, agree with Ian yeah, on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jeff. That's uh, Jodzia's just a beautiful character. But the thing is, I've already got Ezri, <laughs> so I can't really have. <laughs> You know, logically, I can't have Jadzia and Ezri. Sure you can. Well, I guess there was uh, that one episode of Voyager where you had a time rift that was actually within the ship itself, right? So, I guess, you know, Bow is Jadzia and Stern is... (laughs) No, actually, they were duplicates. You're mixing 22nd, 23rd, and 24th century characters, so why not? Yeah. I suppose. I guess it's just that I'm so so massively into the Dax character. I do actually think of it as, you know, it's one character. Um, but but imagine having both right. of them, Darth. <laughs> it's possible in the mirror universe. That's all I'll say with that there one. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, moving on. Okay, so now we are into, uh, I suppose, Khan. And if you want to separate this out, and you want to somehow argue in a way that I can't understand, but yet. The original series certainly does that there is such a thing as a helm and a navigator as separate. Then you know, go ahead, do it. Um, but anyway, that's where we are on helm slash navigator, or as it was mostly known, con. And I suppose we'll start with Jeff. Tom Paris, the hotshot pilot, got to go with him. No question in my mind. Hmm. There's no question. Just that's the one. That's the one. If I was going to pick one, he'd be the one. Now, if it, if you have Tom, do you necessarily need to have uh, Belana at any point? Or are you happy with just having Tom around? Tom's just yeah. He's just fine on his own. He was uh, not in a relationship with her for the whole series, so why not? All right, makes sense. Rick, what do you got on this one? Archer, same reason. Hmm. Hmm. Really? He was a hot shot uh, test pilot. Oh, yeah, I got you. I get where you're going from. So, I mean, you would take Archer from that earlier period of his life, then, from when he was. Yes. Ian, where are you on this one? Hmm. Um. Really, really torn. I'm probably just going to have to go with Paris because I, I, originally actually I had had Data in there, but every time I put Data in a position, I'm bored because it's so safe yeah. and it's so easy because he can do all these calculations in his head and blah, 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 blah. It's like, but you put Tom Paris there and you've got Smart Alec, you've got uh, Ladies Man, and you've got one hell of a pilot. So, you know, he's fun at parties. He's good at the he's good at the, the steering wheel. Eh. But something you mentioned there, Ian. Um, mm-hmm. Data can do all these calculations in his head, and he would be great at being the helmsman. Mm-hmm. Um, he was surprised. Data was at a maneuver that uh, the Captain Picard did in one episode of Next Generation when he took the the con. Right. So I'm not so sure he would be the best person or for that right. position. Uh, but the thing is, if um, you were to- have that position, have, have that, you know, uh, a similar situation like that. He's already learned Picard's maneuver, so there you go. We're safe again. Uh-huh. 
it's one of those things where he will accumulate all of this knowledge, and it's like, but you know, it's still, it's it, it's it's a safe choice as well as like, oh well, just put data in there because he can do it. Um, but you know, I I, I kind of like the the the, the rogue element of, of Tom Paris, you know. And, and now that I and think of course about he did it, it with he flew really fast and made it with the captain. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever. <laughs> <coughs> You're right. <laughs> Excuse me. Sarcasm off. <laughs> so now I think about it, Picard would not be a bad choice for Khan. No. If you have to have him at all. Yeah. I have him for something else, but. I... Good lord. Wait a minute. So that's, that's everybody, isn't it? No. Um, no. no, Dave, you're right. No. Dave. Uh, well, because I'd already sort of on that double one and picked Ensign Travers Mayweather as the pilot, I'm thinking more of Con in terms of the navigational side of it. So I was thinking more seven of nine because um, one of the things that she does is she's got um, uh, much more knowledge of uh, unmapped areas to the humans of more of the galaxy. So I, I was thinking of her more in terms of navigation than, than actually physically piloting because I already put uh, Ensign Travis Mayweather in the, in that job alongside the armourer of Captain Reed. So if if she's more in terms of not the actual piloting but the actual, uh, you know, get getting them from A to B and, and working out problems when they hit certain uh, astronomical things... And so on. And the other thing, of course, is that um, she can go quite a number of days without having to sleep before she's to uh, go into a, a bay. So if they've got to get to some sort of um, area, they did this in one story where um, all, all the um, all the crew, the rest of the crew, had to go into this uh, place safety from the radiation, but the radiation didn't affect her because her, the nanotechnology was able to keep her going. So. Seven of nine. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good choice. Uh, I suppose it almost makes me waver a little bit on mine, a little bit, because I do really like her as an actor. Ooh, chicken. Um. All right. Um. I. Oh, it's Rickwall's dog. Oh, Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I think I would go for... uh, And and I would definitely combine it, because it it has never made any sense to me why there's a helm and a navigator. That's always bothered me. Um, I I, I guess I would go for Ilya. But, you know, in, in the way that you occasionally have to swap out and have another person sitting in the chair as being on a, a, another shift. The other person would definitely be Imres, who was the sort of Cation, uh, lioness-looking uh, communications officer from the animated series. Yeah, I was um, trying to work out that. Thank you. Yeah. I um, apologize for that. Daphne <laughs> was sleep, uh, talking in her sleep. <laughs> okay, I just thought suddenly we were taking on board some chickens. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Elia and the whole Delta race is something that was posited it, and then they never did anything with it, and it was always just fascinating to me. Uh, but I would definitely want the navigator or the helmsman, whatever the con, to be someone who was not human. Uh, and not really a race that we've dealt with that much before. So not one of your major, uh, you know, Cardassian, Vulcan. Yeah, you could have had the tra- could you have had the traveller? Does it have to be somebody who's member of the crew? The traveller uh, that Wesley met. I mean, there's some logic there, I suppose. Uh, but I, I tend to think that logically the traveller would get uh, bored because he had already transcended the need for any kind of starship whatsoever. So that's true. You know, would he, would he stick around long enough to help out? I don't know. Um, but there's something really fascinating about Ilya and, and, and the Delta races, you know, this race that will make you go crazy sexually, but therefore they've taken a vow of celibacy, but yet they might possibly, that leads them up to all sorts of possible interesting, um, dramatic tension as it were. Um, and I, and I really like Persis Kambata too, as an actor. So I would throw that in. Mm -hmm. Well, now, uh, we're on to sort of the unambiguous big three. Um, and we have left, uh, the chief medical officer, the first officer, and of course the commanding officer. Um, the, the bulk of Star Trek shows tell us that the first officer is a position separate unto itself, right? That Riker is the first officer, but he doesn't have specific responsibilities over any other department. The original series, of course, is different from that in that you have Spock, who is first officer, but he's also the head of the science division. Um, So if you want to throw in first officer as something separate, do that. Or if you want to just say, well, for my first office was somebody I've already named or somebody I'm going to name, whatever, um, do that too. But we'll start out with uh, Chief Medical Officer and ask Jeff who his head doctor would be. It would have to be the EMH. He has that huge repository of, of uh, medical knowledge that he can uh, go back on. So he would be a perfect choice for the chief medical officer. Now, I will say that the EMH as it was in the beginning of Voyager would not be the EMH I'd pick. It would be a later one, the one that had gained some uh, personality, uh, some camaraderie camaraderie, with the rest of the crew. Uh, the one that has an, uh, a mobile emitter so he can move around the ship and maybe even go on away missions, uh, that would be the EMH that I'm speaking of, not season one or two. Okay, but still Mark One. Yeah. Okay. Cool choice. Rick, where are you on the Doctor? Um. Hmm. I guess I'm going to have to go with uh, um, the new, the, the movie series Bones. Which movie series? The the the, the new uh, the, the new ones, the J.J. Uh, oh, so Abrams, Abrams one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, as much as I like the um, uh, um, 
the original, uh, there's just something about this Bones that uh, uh, I, I just happen to like a little more. Fair it's hard to explain. No, I understand. I mean, there, there is something. I mean, I know that I should have allegiance to Jimmy Doohan, but I really don't just because there's just, I don't know, there's something more Scottish about the Scotty that uh, Simon Pegg is able to pull off, and that makes perfect sense because he's a lot closer to being Scottish than Jimmy Doohan it really is. <laughs> you know, it makes sense to me. Uh, Ian, who have you got for a doctor? I'm going to have to go with, with Lox. Um, great bedside manner. Um, doesn't just rely on the old uh, you know, uh, spray. Um Basically, a bit of a, a bit of a pioneer in medicine, and, and takes a uh, interesting approach to to his to his job, and has a nice smile. <laughs> Indeed, he does. <laughs> Dave, how do you come down on the doctor? Yeah, I, I, I've got both those names down. Um, I wouldn't want Bashir because I feel at this point in my crew, I need somebody who's going to be, you know, a little bit, bring a little bit more humour to the role. Um, so I've got written down here, flocks are the new bones. Um, but I must admit, this is the this is the the one character where I think he can be more creative because he's he's not in the direct chain of command. There are also stories where you where he outranks the captain. Um, and there are also ones where you want him to actually, you know, have ad- adventures on his own almost. Um, so, um, very difficult. I, I think probably Do- Dr. Flox, although I, d- I, d- I do like the new Bones, and I prefer the new Bones to the original Bones, I think. Uh, I think this, um, I think it would just fit better in with my crew, but on balance, I think Dr. Flox, just because he's slight... He's more, I haven't got that many aliens on mine. I've got um, seven of nine who isn't an alien, which because she's a human. Uh, I've got Q, I suppose, um, and I've got um, a Vulcan. So, yeah, Doctor Flox. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't have any problem with that. Um, yeah, Flox would seem an obvious choice to me as well. Um, and I I can't think of anything better, really. I mean, the EMH, I, uh, I I like the character, but I also think I've already seen enough of it, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Um, and I, I just can't think of anything new that could be done with it. But the thing I really like about the um, Flocks is that he is not anybody's buddy, particularly. Which I guess is true of the EMH to an extent, but the EMH does eventually, you know, form some attachments to Seven of Nine that seem totally improbable and wacky to me. Um, and there are times just where that character goes a little bit over the top, a little bit outside of what the the, the programming for an EMH could possibly be. I mean, it just seems unrealistic at times. But there's something about Flocks that, you know, if you talk about amongst the living, breathing doctors. Right, uh, very different, really, than the other doctors that are around, because the other doctors tend to be, um, in some way, 
a friend or uh, emotionally attached to or whatever, some other character. But Flock seems quite on his own, so that gives him a unique power to say to Scott Bakula, you know, whenever they come into certain situations, look, I'm not going to do this because I have medical objections, and if you've got a problem with that, you're going to have to actually order me. I mean, this is, you're, I, he, there's a, a unique way that he has of, of pushing a medical issue in at least a couple of episodes that um, I don't think the others have the ability to do. So that's that's why I like it, just because it, there's genuine dramatic tension that's possible because of, I guess, a bad thing for the character, a lack of uh, really close relationships to other people. So that's definitely who I'd go with, too. Well, you know, and that Darth, means, you, oh, sorry. Uh, you mentioned that... Um, the EMH, uh, it seems implausible that he would be able to do all these different things that he's done in the series. Well, just remember that the EMH wasn't supposed to be turned on all the time. It was mm. just for emergency situations. I never thought that it would be on so much. In this case, he was, and he was able to grow because he was. Yeah, I, I think that's both his strength and weakness, though. Like, I think he's an interesting character, but on the other hand, I think it's probably more the fact that I want to know more about Flocks, where, like as Daryl says, we're, they're pretty well explored his character, the EMH's character. Not that it isn't a good character, it wouldn't be great. I think it's just the fact that we're left wanting more of Flocks. Hmm. I mean, it's possibly that. It's more that I actually... Uh, although I take your point that he was turned on and that therefore that was unusual for that particular class of device, as it were. Um, I I don't think it explains <laughs> quite the degree of aspiration and the degree of um, growth that the character has. I mean, it really... It, well, I think you I have to, to... Yeah, go ahead. If I remember right, they they talked about expanding his capabilities during the series. Lana and, and uh, Harry Kim both were working on that capability for him. Uh, yeah, but on the, on the other side of that, there are times where he decides yeah. to make changes to his own programming. And they overstretched it. So. so it's like, well, where's the line? You know, why is it that Bolana might be able to give him, you know, some additional capacity, but he can't figure it out on his own. I mean, the, the other thing is, where's the dividing line between the EMH as a discrete program and the rest of the computer? That's kind of one of the things that always sort of bugged me a little bit about it. Was just I think that's why they had that smart bomb episode because Bolana, quote unquote, divide. Uh, designed and built it practically and uh you know i'm i'm messing around with the emh and this is my expertise you know i'm expert in this because i designed and built the smart bombs i yeah i i get but the the other thing that's just difficult for me with the emh is this whole notion of uh it as a relatively stable hologram when there are so many episodes of Star Trek up to the point of Voyager where the hologram just goes wacky. 
and even in Voyager itself, the hologram occasionally goes wacky, or holodecks. Um, and it's like, well, okay, if the holodeck goes wacky, how come the doctor isn't going wacky a lot more than what he actually is? You know, especially because he's stretching the subroutines and staying on for an extraordinary length of time. There's a whole two-parter where he goes wacky. Yeah, okay. It's not like it never happens, but it doesn't happen. If you look at the number of episodes that feature the holodeck and then calculate how many of those episodes have the holodeck malfunctioning, it's much greater than the number of episodes in which the doctor is operating and the doctor malfunctions. Mm. You know, he's got a much higher success rate. And the question would be, why? And I never have understood it, and it's, it, it bugs me really kind of the whole time with the character. It's, okay, this is funny. The actor's good most of the time, occasionally a little bit over the top, but basically good. Um, and, and even, you know, there's no doubt that the best episodes of Voyager involve him in a major way. Really, or at least the ones that I remember the most have him in some capacity doing something funny. But nevertheless, my, yeah, go ahead. My problem with Voyager wasn't the acting; it was the scripts and direction. Oh well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Which I thought well, was really bad. Anyway, uh, so moving on from our chief medical officer, we have two more positions left to fill out. There's the first officer and uh, the commanding officer. Obviously, these two people can't be the same, but if you have chosen somebody else that you've already put forward as the first officer, go ahead and tell that, or tell us a brand new character. Jeff? Are we doing both? No, we're just doing first officer. But if you've already, if one of your other choices is somebody who is also going to be your first officer, you can pick from there. If you have an assigned officer, who's the first officer, you mean something? Yeah, yeah. Well, for for uh, your ultimate Star Trek crew, I think you need to have the top two positions um, be people that uh, will work together well, that will complement each other. So, I don't know. I'm having a real tough time separating um, these into two distinct uh, people. Uh, I guess they are distinct people, but I think they have to be joined together into one group is what I'm saying. So I'm just going to throw out both of them right now, if that's all right. Do it. I think the the first officer should be Shelby, and the captain should be Riker. I know that they had a rocky start, but uh, I think they gained a lot of uh, respect for each other through that, and uh, uh, as we saw in the last movie, in the last Next Generation movie anyway, uh, they actually, I, I think in the novelization it was stated that they are uh, captain and first officer of that starship. Oh, of the, really? Of the Titan? I believe so. Uh, the, of the Titan, yes. Mm. You have to remind me of who Shelby is because I'm blanking on that at the moment. Uh, that's the best one. She came on as the Borg expert, and um, when the captain was kidnapped, she was chosen <sighs> as the first officer. Right. Sorry, yeah. By Riker. I, I got it in my head. You were talking about Riker and his alternate Riker for a minute. 
Oh, no. When he said that it had two words together, I'm thinking, what's that? Shelp, right, okay. There you go. Hmm. And I might have to drop off here in a few minutes, so another reason. Well, we're almost done. Uh, I don't know that we'll be around too much longer, so hopefully you'll be able to stay with us throughout. Um, But, Rick Wall, I guess we'll follow that model, since there's only two left, and you do tend to think of them as a a, uh, leadership unit, I guess, if you want to go ahead and give us the first officer and commanding officer of your... Okay, I'm going the totally other way. Two people who cannot stand each other, at least that's the impression that I got, or don't like each other. I don't know about not not standing each other, but since they are both Starfleet officers, I'm sure they can put their differences aside and work together. And that is Captain Sisko and First Officer Picard. Oh, I like that order. Yeah, that can work out very well indeed, dramatically. Nice. Yeah. Dave, who you got? Well, first of all, uh, I I, I could never pick Patrick Stewart other than being the captain. I couldn't. I can't. I really hated that episode where where he'd uh, he hadn't he hadn't had the fight and had the heart. Uh, problem and uh, and had, had failed to achieve the status. I couldn't stand that. So uh, for me, I think it would be. I'm getting an echo, Rick Wall. Can you just mute Rick Wall, please? I'll mute yourself. All right, um, hold on. Um, I would have to go with the first officer being the new Spock, uh, Quinto Zachary Quinto, and I think I'd have to go. I like. I'm. I'm I'm torn between Archer and Patrick Stewart, but I think I have to go with Patrick, uh, not Patrick, <laughs> Jean-Luc, I'm going to get the actors, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, although I do like uh, Archer. So I'm going to go, first officer, the new spot from the movies, and Patrick, um, ah, Jean-Luc Picard. I can't imagine Pat, uh, Jean-Luc Picard in in the role uh, subservient to. I think I just can't see him in that role. Sorry, but but it's necessary for you to have Picard. No, what I mean is, I, I Picard would have the only. I could only see him in the position of captain. He's either going to be my favourite captain, and I have him as captain, or I can't see him in my crew. I can't see him playing a subservient role to being captain. Right, but, but he is I can. Team, so yeah, but I can. Yeah, he is. So I'm going. I'm going with him as captain, uh, where the spot character hasn't got the ego and and can slot in as first officer, yet still has the absolute skills that if the captain is compromised, or kidnapped, or not on board, the ship is safe in his hands. But without the fact that as soon as the captain's back on deck, you know, is, there's no reluctance to hand back uh, the ship to that captain. He, he hasn't got that agenda of his own, which I think is important with the first officer. Hmm. Now, I should, I, and I'll go back to you, Jeff, in a moment, because I should have asked you, really, but 
who is Dave your second officer, or does it matter to you that the position of second officer is defined in any way? Well, my my second officer would be the science officer. That would be Q that I'm already so. I've got the captain, which is John Luke Picard. First officer would be Spock, and separating that out, the science officer who would be second in command, I suppose, would be the Q character, but the, the Q without his omnipotence. And, and Jeff, what about for you? Do you specifically well, have anything for a second officer? Well, out of the crew that I mentioned already, I would have to pick Jadzia. And uh, she just happens to be the science officer, but uh, out of the group that I picked already, it would be Jadzia. Mm. So do you see, because I'm reminded of the whole second officer thing as um, as a potential source of some drama, because certainly there are times where, I don't know, Kirk and Spock are down on the planet and Scotty's in command and maybe Scotty might not know what to do and maybe doing something different than what Spock or Kirk would have done in that situation, or certainly in in Next Generation, it seems to me that there are times where, you know, if the captain is gone and the first officer is acting as captain, then it does actually matter dramatically who then steps up to be the first officer. I mean, we we certainly saw that there was some tension one time when, who was it? It There was some reason, I forget now what it was, but there was some reason that, um, that Data had been elevated to acting captain. And then he needed to have a first officer, and so he chose from, you know, sort of went down the line as you would expect it to be in the order of precedence, and and Worf sort of ended up as his first officer. But then there was tension between them. And just like, there's that other, isn't it Best of Both Worlds, where Geordi is in, no, it's not Best of Both Worlds, it's the the next one, it's the the Klingon one, the, uh, ah, I forget what the title is, of the the next, it might be redemption where he is given command of a ship that is in the, um, that great convoy that's trying to detect where Sela is moving around. And there's a human officer there. Who's his first officer who doesn't believe that he should be the captain of the ship. So therefore there is tension between them. Anyway, my point is there are situations in Star Trek where it does matter about the pecking orders. You go down a little bit more, because maybe there's tension. Do you, do you see that as an important source of dramatic tension, or is that something that has already been done enough that you don't really care? It's just whoever, you know, should be there is there, according to their talent or whatever. The question is probably vague. Are you asking me? I am asking you, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I was... Does it matter to you who the second officer is from a dramatic standpoint, or is it just... This is the person who would be second officer because they are in a science position or wherever that naturally leads well, them to be second officer. I, I think it's more of a nature of rank. Although I, mm. I, from a dramatic standpoint, I suppose you could put some character in there to uh, to help the story, you yeah. know, get some tension. So. I think you're asking two different questions there. In a I way. probably am. I probably am throwing way too much into the pot. Mm. I mean, what I would add to that is, although I'd said the science officer, uh, some of the best episodes I thought Scotty was in was when he was the one left in charge of the ship because he had a no nonsense uh, 
way of arbitrating with uh, with alien races. You know, there was no di- diplomacy with him. It was uh, uh, he would grandstand, wouldn't he? Um, I thought it was great when he was in the captain's chair, Scotty. Yeah, or like he was when Tucker, third in command. Like when Trip gets in charge of the Enterprise, oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. he's he's really different to both to Paul and Archer, right? I mean, oh yeah, just, absolutely. And it is great, actually. Like that time where he just the engineer, you know, he just throws the ship between the Andorians and the Vulcans and says, "All right, if you want to fire, then you're going to have to kill us." I mean, it's just. It's so logical. It's so simple. It's not. It's none of the hand wringing that you would have with either of his superiors. It's just this is how it's going to be, you know. Which I think is great because you get a different flavor of um, command, I guess, depending upon the situation that your writers put your characters into, which is good. That's why I like the original series, Scotty, so much, as the way he stood up and you know when he had to take the captain's chair, the way he commanded. Oh, see, that's why I'm hoping that in whatever Star Trek, whatever, what are we, what are we on? Thirteen, I guess it would be eleven, twelve. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever Star Trek thirteen is, I really hope there is that moment where Scotty is in command. I really want that badly because I want to see how Simon Pegg translates that. Because so far, you know, I'm really into that. All right, so I guess that leaves us with Ian. Uh, Ian, what have you got for your commander and first officer? All right. Um... I'm going to, here's my team. Mm. Uh, Martok and Archer. In I'm going to play one? the idiot. I'm going to play the idiot again. Mar- who's Martok? Remind me who Martok is. Uh, from Deep Space Nine. He's, uh, he's, he's, oh, you. Oh, the well then. Martok would be second in command, and, and Archer would be. Oh, you didn't watch Deep Space Nine. That's not much of it, but again, I'm also okay. thinking the people listening to the recording later, okay. they may not be au fait with all these other names. Okay, then I guess the the easiest and non-spoiler-ish, I guess, way to talk about Martok is he's a major character in the last four seasons, I guess, of Deep Space Nine, uh, who recurs several times. Like, I mean, he's basically, he's almost at the level of main cast. Um, certainly by season six and seven, uh, a major player in the Dominion War, uh, essentially the commander of the Klingon forces, I guess you would say, more or less. Uh, I mean, there, there, there are ins and outs and roundabouts and lots of different things that happen with his character, but he is there, you know, essentially, you know, kind of advising Worf a lot, um, dealing with Worf, dealing with Jadzia. He is... Well, there's just a lot of stuff that happens with him. He's a major, major player in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That's enough. So the people listening later mm-hmm. will have yeah. a reference. Yeah. yeah. So who's uh, Martok in command, I'm assuming? No, Martok is second in command. Oh. Archer in command. Really? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Let me think about that. You want to talk about tension between, uh, is he an age-old enemy of the Klingon Empire? <laughs> Yeah, and one heck of a Klingon. <laughs> yeah, that is some major, major. <laughs> That's good. My other choice, that, my other choice was Archer and Shran, just because yeah. I love Archer and Shran. Yeah, it's too easy. <laughs> and that almost happened. I mean, more or less, yeah. that was going to happen. The yeah, real tragedy is no series five. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, second officer, who you got there? 
Would that be your, your science officer? Uh, the, the, would you have your, your, the one that you put up for your science officer as your second officer, or would you have a, somebody else completely? I'm confused now. Well, well in my case, my so uh, when, captain, when Darth then, asked then, me... Then, then the second in command, right? No, first second officer. In, well, se- the second in command is the first officer, but the yeah. third in command is the second officer. Ah, Which could okay. also be your science officer if you've also. That's what I said. I I combine that with the science officer. Right. Well, then, that would be that, that would actually be uh, my tactical officer, Kieran Reese. No, okay, that makes sense. That's to be. Kira. Wow. So Kira is the mediator between a Klingon and a yeah. human. Human. Wow. <laughs> that can work out really well. That's very very good indeed. Hmm. But we haven't heard Rick. your two, have we? Here. I'm sorry, Rick. Did I did I get these drops off? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, then mine. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. The captain is the best actor, obviously. And so, who do you go to for the best actor? The one that has actually won the award. So, I'm sorry, but Kunta Kinte is your best actor. So he's. It's obviously Jory LaForge is the captain. Period. But first officer is Worf. And as we know from before, second officer is Shran. <laughs> so you got Shran, and you got and and the, the, Shran is tactical officer now. He's not science officer. So you got Shran and Worf in kind of a lot of open rebellion against each other, giving different advice of what the best tactical position might be, and then smooth as silk, Jory of the Forge in there, trying to figure out you know, what the truth of the situation is. Um, so that's kind of how I would go with that. Cheers, uh, Jeff. It, uh, sorry, Jeff's oh, got to go. Just gone? All right. Well, another one bites the dust. Mm-hmm. But at just the right time, because I think mm-hmm. that brings us to the end of this uh, fabulous episode of Cultural Collective. And so we pass it back over to Ian and or Dave, whoever wants to catch the ball. Well, who's who's first in command and who's who's? Well, can I just ask you one question about about (laughs) your George the Forge character? Would you have him sighted or not? Would you have a blind captain? He is sighted. He's just differently sighted. Well, all right. Sorry. Would you would you have him with the transplants, the ocular transplants, or the fact that his eyes had regenerated when they went? (laughs) Um, This is this is one of the best American actors of. The 1970s and 1980s. No, I'm not the talking about the actor. No, 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 no. But it matters. I would say the dude can do whatever he wants, and I think that his clear preference is he wants to be able to use his eyes. And frankly, you know, I'm a fan of bionic stuff, and certainly the bionic eye bit that was in First Contact was pretty damn cool. And that if they had showed me more of, like, I think it's season one where you get to see through his visor what he gets to see. Yeah. If we'd seen a whole lot more of that, then I would be cooler with the visor, and I would say, well, yeah, you might want to think about that. But, I mean, why would you deprive one of the best actors of our time of the use of his eyes just because you're trying to make a point about somebody being differently sighted? That makes no sense. Um, so I would say that you would go with what the actor himself has said, and that is he should have had his eyes all along, and that that doesn't weaken the character at all. In fact, it strengthens it because it makes him look cool and gives you these nice little, you know, perspective views, you know, where he can really, 
you know, he could also then make the argument, and this is what's great about having the Jordy LaForge thing, he could make the argument, oh, I have to go on the landing party because you don't have my eyes. And they wouldn't be able to say a damn thing because they don't <laughs> have his eyes and they need to, you know, he needs to be able to analyze the stress factor on the metal or whatever. And so all of a sudden the captain is in, you know, danger. And so you got, you know, power struggle between Worf and Shran and who knows what's going on while the doctor is kidnapped and it's just chaos back on the ship. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just so from a drama point of view, it's best oh, if he stays in. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, just there are lots of things that you can do with that whole thing, but it just, has fundamentally bugged me from the very first time I saw next gen that LeVar Burton was not the captain. I just never have understood that. Um, and, and I think, you know, from the, from the times that you can see him, uh, in Voyager, I guess he was, wasn't he the captain of the something or other? What was he the captain of the Carolina? I don't know what he was, uh, where he, he comes to stop, um, Kim from going back in history and changing time and all that, you know, you can see that this would be, it would just be a cool approach to things. And not only that, but he's without a doubt, the one actor who manages to get emotion into techno battle. I mean, he can just, he can say anything and it sounds plausible. It sounds like there's a sense of urgency. You know, that there's a problem no matter what, you know? So that's, I think a vital skill to any sort of Star Trek actor. So, LeVar Burton would have to be the captain for me. Ooh, especially you didn't then for your chief engineer pick the woman who designed the warp core engine. It's a holographic love. No, she's not. Well, like actually, uh, uh, he actually ends up married to the real Leah Brahms. Uh, Does he? And uh, all good things. Oh, but that doesn't count because it's not real. If that, if that does play out in that way. Right. You're right. Supposedly in the Leah Brahms. Yeah, yeah, that's what he says to Picard for me. But I mean, just look at him in in um, all good things too. You know, the whole going after Picard, just the way that he's able to talk to people in different situations. I just think that he's he's to me just a great actor and a versatile actor, and you throw him into almost anything, and he's interesting to look at. And I don't know, good stuff. But there we are. Absolutely great, Darth. Thank you very much. And yeah. I'm glad you. Clarify because uh, when when I they did jump in with two feet, that was because uh, I'm so used to Ian saying, "Right, Dave, off you go," and off I go. <laughs> so uh, thank you. We, we had established that you were going to lead, and and thank you for doing so. Uh, sorry that some people have had to drop off audio. Ken, I'm sure, is deeply upset that he couldn't stay on audio longer. But uh, thank you, everybody, in those Cy Bob and Carp Blanche and who Steve that have stayed uh, listening. Um, in the background. So, Ian, I'll let you close it out because time is difficult for you now. Yep. Um, thanks for a great topic, Darth. It was uh, a lot of fun. If you can come up with another one of these, I'm trying to think of other crews and other shows that could do this. I'm like, hmm, because this is kind of good. It is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, um, I've got so, it. Yeah. Darth, Darth's the captain. Ian's the doctor. Uh, who here, are they? gel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough decon gel for now. <laughs> um, oh, just to say that uh, some um, some tidbits from the Doctor Who San Diego Comic Con panel have just been posted in the Cultum uh, page on Facebook, and there's probable spoilers within, so be very careful. Um, but Aaron uh, Randolph posted that there and said that there are spoilers within, so there you go. There's your warning. 
All right, uh, catch us next week when uh, the members of the collective will be bringing their favorite five movies to share with you. Yep, we'll be rabbiting on about what our top top movies are. And we'll probably allow a little bit of lenience there if there's something that you really, really love that's not necessarily in the science fiction fantasy realms, but uh, you need to put it in there. So, preferably sci-fi fantasy, etc. But, hey, it's the Colton Collective. We ramble. That's what we do. So, bring your favorite five movies and be prepared to talk about them. Uh, yeah, especially the ones involving Deconjo. All right. That's enough. Until next time, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from the captain, Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Make it so. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.